everyone. Are we all good? So one of my tasks um, in, in what I'm called to do is to create an environment for growth uh, and a culture that allows us to do that. And part of our teaching series is really intentionally planned to kind of promote growth within you and to grow up as a community that we grow in what God has got planned for us. And so we're, we're through this journey of series of what the church is really all about. I want to create an environment and first and foremost by which we get to know God. We experience God. God is incredible, found in the person of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who gave his life, died for us, and an incredible transformational moment. If you ever know Jesus and you meet him, you'll realize he is a life changer. He's not just a gay changer, he is a life changer. And so that's what we're about. We've run that series. And then when you meet Jesus, you realize one of the things he brings into your life straight away is freedom. You know, Jesus did not come to lock you up and throw away the key. He came to set you free. And we, we just over the last series, we were just looking, what does freedom look like? I want it to get in your spirit, into your culture, into your mindset of how we, as the people of God, live free. And so we've been celebrating that, and hopefully it was useful to you. I've had so many people say, Aaron, that was kind of life-changing and really grabbed hold of what freedom is. And so the next area I want us to turn to is discover your purpose. And, you know, as we move on in finding freedom, God actually says, I want you to know exactly why it is you are called and what on earth you are on this planet for. You know, that would be good to answer that question this morning, wouldn't it? You know, so I'm going to try and do that if I can. Now, to illustrate it, who likes going to zoos? Put your hand up. Oh, there's a lot of zoo fans here. I don't. All right, so I'm going to be a a villain. I kind of have this... I think hatred is too strong a word, but dislike of zoos. Now, I know, I know you're going to boo me. Let me kind of just at least present why I think that is. And that is because I believe in creator design. I go to a zoo, I look at every animal locked up, and I do not believe they were designed to be there. I don't think God created any of those animals to live in a cage. In particular, have you ever seen the tigers? You know, so I, I kind of, <laughs> you go to a zoo, you pay quite a lot of money, by the way, to, uh, to the zoos, don't you? It's not, it's not actually cheap, isn't it? You don't just put 50p in, and you, and you sit there, and you go, this big kind of, the, the, we've got tigers, isn't it? You know, and so we kind of want to see this tiger, and there it is, looking totally fed up. <laughs> you, know, you know, the phrase of the eye of the tiger, you know, and, and uh, you know, it, it's not there, is it? There, there's something in their eyes, they just look like, they, they look like teenagers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I do apologise uh, for, that, for that cheap jab. Uh, but that, you know, you, you understand, is they're, they're either sat there, totally things that are, or, which distresses me more, when I watch them, and I'll go there, and they're just like this. It doesn't matter how long you stand there sometimes. Now, now that is, that's, that's a sign of stress, by the way. Honestly, if you were watching the rugby or the football like that, that is not a position of peace, particularly for an England fan at the moment. And the history, you're only good as your last game, isn't it? You know me and Josh, I like that. Where we're watching football, isn't it? You know, England lost to Wales last week. Gee, we couldn't talk to Gareth for days. Yeah, had to, had to forgive him. <laughs> I, I didn't, it's just a joke. Just bad. But you know, it's just like that whole thing. But it's, it's a stress response, isn't it? And I, I kind of think we're not designed to be locked up in a cage. Not as, not as animals, not as humans, you know, and, and this whole thing, when I look at this creator design, I'm like, you were designed to live free. I don't want to go and unlock the padlock, by the way. I'm not stupid, so I'm not one of those kind of things who's just got to set them free, isn't it, you know? You know? But anyway, I just kind of, it's that design in nature. So I do appreciate the work of conservation. I, do, I really do. And, and I think it's a sad endowment on our world that in order to protect our animals on our planet, we have to lock them up in a cage. 
And who are we locking up with the cage from? From us. You know, look at the, the ivory trade. You, you, you look at things like that. That is protection from humanity because we've just got this terrible thing that money is more important than nature. And, and, you know, I'm not a soapboxing, but you understand the world and what it's designed. You know, we're designed to live free in the way that God is. There's, there's something about a tiger's design for the hunt. I, I don't know if you know about tigers, but they do not hunt injured prey. You know, if, if there's no challenge to that, and you think, oh, that's a little bit, you know, kind of a bit unfair that it will leave an inch of But here's the thing. Number one, because of risk is these. But number two, because it's in their DNA, it's in their design, because if they ever give up hunting, they are giving up on their existence and they are giving up on their survival. Christians, by the way, are not designed to sit in churches. And this is why I think Christians sometimes, we're in churches, we're just doing this. It's why we gossip, because we're frustrated. It's why we look at everybody else's faults. Because actually, we're not actually doing what God has called us to do. We, we haven't connected into our purpose. And so what we do, we create. It creates frustration within us. And so we start looking, going, oh, did you think the worship was a bit loud today? You know, isn't it? You know, I couldn't quite see the words. Or I couldn't do this. And, you know, that, that person just walked straight past me. You know, what that is, that's a sign of stress within your spirituality. That actually, you are not now. Because busy people who are serving the plans and purposes of God, they're not patient. They haven't got time. I was going to say, forgive me, they haven't got time to bitch. No, seriously, they haven't got time to be negative. They haven't got time to look at the faults of others because they've got this focus. They've got this heart thing. They've got this, I just want to serve God's purposes. And so you don't see them pacing, but you see them picking up the cup you know, that's there that nobody else picks up. You see them shaking hands. You see them high-fiving. You see them, how are you? You see this service because when we discover our purpose, we realize we were designed to thrive, not just survive. So our whole purpose sets us free. And I want us to have fun over the next two months exploring what is our purpose. Right? I'm big on this. Right? We don't just, I'm not just going to answer the questions straight away so that you can go home and go, I know what my purpose is. I want you to go on a journey to find it. All right? There's something we educate ourselves for experience. This is not school. And this is not where I sit and give you the answers and you go, oh, good, I don't need to do anything. This is about promoting you to discover in your life what God has said I'm going to do for your life. So why am I here? Ecclesiastes 7 verse 24 says, How can anyone discover the meaning of life? The Bible says, how can anyone? That's not very helpful, is it? But what the Bible is really good at is reflecting humanity. It's good at speaking into our, our soul, and it raises the question. So if you've got the question, I want you to be bugged by that question. I want you to kind of this little seed in the oyster to go, what is my purpose? What am I created to be and do? And it's amazing how we fill our lives trying to find our purpose, isn't it? You know, and, and we get busy working, we raise families, we pay bills, we live for the weekends, and, and we're still kind of rushing around going, whoa, what, what am I doing? I, I just, I, I want to know, Aaron. Give me, give me that one thing that's going to motivate me. Here's the thing. Without discovering your purpose, life leaves you frustrated. If you live purposely, you are frustrated. The person without a purpose is like a ship without a rudder. Something about purpose in us that we are designed for purpose. Solomon describes that kind of circular existence in Ecclesiastes uh, 1 verse 5 to 8. He says the sun rises and it still goes down. The wind blows round and round and back again. Every river flows into the sea. The water returns to where the rivers began. It starts all over again. Everything leads to weariness. 
How many understand that Friday afternoon you feel that you've been going round and round and round? Has that ever happened for anybody, isn't it? You're just like, oh, gee, the weekend is here. You know, and, and that's the whole point. And when we get that meaningless existence, we go, what is my purpose? We feel like a hamster in a wheel. Have you ever, anybody got a hamster? You've watched that hamster in a cruel way going, that is my life. Isn't it? You know, it goes round and round and round and round. Have you ever tried to stop it? They do them in play parks now, don't they? Well, they used to. But then they realize people get breaking legs, you know, and so health and safety doesn't allow that, so we take that off the play park. In fact, if you get to a play park there, now there's nothing there. Because <laughs> of health and safety, isn't it? You know, because, you know, when we, when we do things. But that hamster wheel, you know, and without discovering our purpose, it leaves us unfulfilled. We're, we're disappointed. You know, we're like, I, I, I didn't think this was life. I mean, if you've looked and got up in the morning going, is this his life? I didn't want it. I, I want to get off this. There's nothing good. Ecclesiastes 1, verse 8 and 9 says, No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. History merely repeats itself. Nothing is truly new. Now you've got Aaron, you are not cheering me up at this point. But I'm building within you your dissatisfaction. I'm just articulating. I put a narrative to it because actually in our spirit, there's something within you that says actually there is more. So the question what is more? Now, you can go about it two ways if you want to find your purpose. You can make up your own. All right? That's one way to find your purpose. You can try and find your meaning. We do this all the time um, through sport or, or a craft or a career or a person, and, you know, and, and they're fun. All of those activities are good, and inside people, there's still that, I need more. Who likes coffee? Who loves going to a coffee, your favorite coffee house? It's just kind of all over. There's coffee shops everywhere. I love coffee. I love this. I love the concept of coffee, isn't it? I love drive-through coffee shops. You know, I love the fact that, and it's bad. It is bad for me. So every Sunday morning, before I come to church and spend time with Jesus, I go and get coffee. And I'll walk in with a coffee in my hand, ready to go. I, I just love that concept, you know? Um, and have you noticed this instant thing? In the world is giving me instant, but it doesn't fulfill my purpose. It's nice to have a coffee with friends, but I'm sat in a coffee shop and I don't think I have made it, I have arrived in life. It's a place to stop and rest and reflect. It is not a place to find your purpose. There's something more than coffee shop that feeds us. Do you know what? We are made for meaning. We're made for meaning inside of us. Every one of your spirit is going, yes, tell me what it is, Ari. Just get to the end of the message. Tell me the answer so I can live this purpose. John F. Kennedy said, efforts and courage are not enough without purpose and direction. We're shaping you as a church to get ready for knowing your purpose. And let me tell you, right, here's the answer, all right? This, what, the whole series, I want you to remember this at every point. Um, and this is, your, your brain is not going to go, purpose is discovered in knowing God. Let me explain why. This is the second option. The psalmist in Psalm 57 verse 2 says, I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose in me. You want to know the purpose of your life, you must begin with God, not yourself. Not what anybody else thinks. You were created for God's purpose. 
You were designed on purpose for purpose. You were created on purpose for person. Creator and design, God has put this cry within you, right? So if anybody's fault, it's not my fault, it is God's fault. He has put something in you to be greater than your life is looking right now. To call out of you, there is greatness within you. And number one, it is found in God. Your purpose is found in God. Turn to Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15. This is an incredible, I mean, the word of God is all incredible, by the way. But this is just a, a key, it unlocks understanding. It says, Jesus, I read it from the Passion Translation, and you know, Jesus is the divine portrait, the true likeness of the invisible God, and the firstborn heir of all of creation. For through the Son, everything was created, both in the heavenly realm and on the earth. All that is seen... All that is unseen, every seat of power, realm of government, principality and authority, it was all created through him and for his purpose. He existed before anything was made and now everything finds complete in him. Everything has been created by Jesus for Jesus everything. There is nothing that he hasn't created. It is for his purpose. You can try and make up meaning. People do it all the time. We create it. But Ephesians chapter 1 verse 11 in the message says, it is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. There is purpose found in knowing Jesus Christ. Before we heard of the message of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us. He had designs on us for glorious living. Part of that overall purpose, he is working out in everything and everyone. God is on your case. God designed you. Before your mum and dad had a plan for you, God designed you. There's no one who is here today by accident. There's no one here on this planet by accident. There is meaning and purpose that comes and is aligned into this day. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God wrote your plans for your life. It's the most exciting adventure. My voice is going up because I'm getting excited. I'm going to bring it down. You know, <clears throat> one of the most exciting adventures that God has got for us. You know, and when we discover who God has made us to be, it's like, why did I not see this before? Why was I scrabbling around as a chicken in a chicken coop or a turkey when I'm an eagle? You know, and it's that whole concept of understanding that we are eagles in the presence of God. We need, if we're going to discover our purpose, we need to discover God. Now, I'm just going to do an illustration, if that's okay. <clears throat> Who loves Christmas? I'm going to, this is one of my Christmas presents. So, um, just in case, uh, if you're thinking of what to buy men, oh, by the way, it doesn't matter how old they are, buy them a toy. <laughs> All right, just, just, you know, it's easy. I think this is £20. My daughter bought this for me, and uh, great in fact, it's so great, I've got the box still from two years ago, uh, and I've got that, so it's one of these things, by the way, I love this, because on, on the back it says, enjoy flying fun with easy control helicopter. <laughs> That's just a humor. That's just a bit of a joke by the inventor uh, to do that, um, but you spend Christmas kind of killing your nan, or whatever it is when, you, when you're flying it around, isn't it, you know, because you're, you're to do that... Um, but I, I kind of I, I want to I want to bring this in point because we were designed. Oh, it works. 
on purpose. There's, there's a created designer, okay? I, I did not make this, nor did I design it. It was designed for me to operate it. It's a picture of our life. There is a creator and a designer. Designer, his name is God. He just had enough knowing of me to give me the controls and say, go on, Aaron, have fun. I want you to understand what it is to have a go at flying. I love that about God because he empowers us with our life to go and give it to him and find our purpose in him. That's not healthy, by the way. That's not healthy. <laughs> that's good. That's not, that's, that's not bad, isn't it? That's nothing I'm doing, by the way. That's, there's something wrong with it, isn't it? Have you noticed in life when things go wrong, it's a designer's fault? <laughs> Let's have a go. See you again. I charged it yesterday. It's, it's all right. One more go. Right, right, no, it's just, just not going to have a cat you ever buy it. Batteries are gone. Good. <clears throat> Fortunately, I have planned for such failures, by the way. Because it, it's about understanding our purpose in life, design, creation. And um, how many of us, by the way, we are classics to this, of which, how many of you read the instructions? Come on. How many of you have been to Ikea and think you are man enough? doesn't matter about your gender. You think you're man enough. <laughs> by the way, men are stupid. Have we ever realized that, isn't it? Uh, men do not need maps. <laughs> I know, I, I can talk this well. But I don't need a map. I can remember it, isn't it? And uh, have you noticed whose fault it is when we go wrong? It's a woman's fault. <laughs> isn't it? You know, that's right. We kinda, we, we've, got, we've got pictorial memory. I can know where we're going, isn't it? You know, I, I don't like getting lost, by the way. So it brings out my worst attributes. Uh, and Rachel has to put up with those worst attributes, isn't it? You know, it's the same with instructions. I, I, I don't need these. I can make this shelf myself. You know, and uh, you put them away, and then, then humility kicks in, uh, followed by your wife telling you so. Have you noticed that they're quite close, aren't they, isn't it? I told you, you should have just looked at that, you know, things like that. But it's a simple illustration, really, in life, follow the manufacturer's instructions. You know, I don't know if you know, and this is just as simple as get the Bible, is the manufacturer's instructions. It is God's word. It is God breathed. He's put his life into it. Let me tell you, it is not God's legal textbook, the Bible. If you're reading it like a legal requirement, you're going to miss it. It's a love letter. And, and, you know, the problem with this is the batteries, the life source, the energy power. Um, we're a church that believes in the power of the Holy Spirit, by the way, the Spirit of God. Let me tell you, it sometimes starts to go wrong and fly not in the way it's designed because the energy power has dropped or it's not there. You need the power of God inside you, the spirit of God. It's not enough for you to intellectually read the manual and go, oh, I can remember that. I can throw scriptures out, parrot fashion, you know, because it will go into your head. If it does not go into your heart, it does not drop into your spirit, you're just going to be operating and you're not going to be able to fly the way the manufacturer designed. Because we are designed by God, not to throw the instructions away. We need to get them out, and we need to do that. Terry Oreck said, the heart of human excellence often begins to beat when you discover a, a pursuit that absorbs you, frees you, challenges you, or gives you a sense of meaning, joy, or passion. I kind of just want to take that quote and change it a little bit. 
I want to say this just with one word. The heart of the human excellence often begins to beat when you discover a God that absorbs you, frees you, challenges you, and gives you a sense of meaning for joy and passion. When we put God into our lives, it's like the battery source. I know who I am in God because of his spirit reveals it to me. Holy Spirit is a communication. You know, the power actually drives a communication between this and this. In the church, if we have a gap between that and that, the operator and the design, it doesn't function. And God wants us to connect us to the Holy Spirit. When you ask the Holy Spirit into your life, you will know your purpose. You just will know. It's part of God's internal communication strategy. 2,000 years ago, a follower of Jesus called Paul was sitting in a prison cell. And he writes about purpose. And if you have this, I want you to underline this in your Bible because it's one of these texts that there's so much in it that it can, you can keep chewing on it and reading it and reflecting on it for a long time. And it says, I keep working towards the day. Philippians 3 verse 12, for those of you who didn't read my mind. <laughs> I keep working towards that day when I will finally be all that Jesus Christ saved me for and wants to be. I am working right now to be all that Jesus has saved me for and wants me to be. Dear brothers and sisters, I'm still not all that I should be. But I am focusing all my energies on this one thing. I am forgetting the past. I am looking forward to what lies ahead. I strain to reach the end of the race to receive the prize for which God, through Jesus Christ, is calling us up to heaven. This is so much in there that, God, that basically there's something we've got that Paul's saying, I'm not perfect, but I am driving, I am striving, I am reaching, I am stretching, I am walking, I am moving towards who God has called me to be. And, and that, that is purpose. When you have that in your mind of what are we striving for? What is the one thing that's worth going for? You know, I, I, I lift my eyes up to the hills from where does my help come from? There's something when you look to God that suddenly vision comes. When you look at the storms of life, our vision is impeded. When we look to God, suddenly hope arises and belief starts to rise within us. So number one, discovering our purpose in life gives us focus. If you know your purpose, you get focused. Incredible scripture, Luke chapter 9, verse 51. It says, um, the son of, uh, As the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He was determined to go to Jerusalem. He gathered his courage, depending on what your version is. He steeled himself for the journey. He resolutely was determined. He made up his mind. He steeled it. He set his face. So, the, so all, the, all the translations basically are Jesus coming to a point when he's looking to the city of Jerusalem, by the way, because he's looking for his destiny. As a scholar, I love these things because in studying the, the, the narratives within Luke, you start to see a change in Jesus from this moment, by the way. I don't know if you know, right? Because what, um, where he travels suddenly diminishes. Jesus travels around preaching the kingdom until this point. So from Luke, you've got this, all these destinations suddenly moving on. He's focused, so his location is limited. How many of you think when you're looking for the purposes of God, right, you look into a different place to where you are now. There's a key point, by the way, the purpose of God are revealed in where you are right now. It's the devil who says it's somewhere else. But just to, just to let you know, that, that's what happens is, you know, look over the fence, look at the grass there, that's where you're called to be. There is so much purpose in the here and now. Jesus stops traveling 
in the same way when he gets to this point. Interestingly, he starts to speak less. And he starts to do more. He starts to demonstrate the kingdom. The one key thing he does all above everything in this last uh, moment as he walks to Jerusalem, he starts to develop his disciples. His focus changes. You think he's focused to the cross, right? You think he's acclimatized himself for the cross. I watched a program in the week on wild swimming. Anybody know what wild swimming is? Well, it's basically you break free of the shackles and you go and swim in a river. You know, you, you don't need to pay swimming pool fields, things like that. You don't need to ask a farmer's permission. You just dive into the river, and it's free, and it's exhilarating, you know, and you just dive in. And, you know, it was, it was, I was fascinated. I like that kind of swimming. I don't know why, but, you know, I kind of, it appeals to me with clothes, by the way, just in case you get the wrong idea. You know, it's just like you just dive in that, and you, and you clear that while swimming. But, but this, this lady who was doing it, she, was, she went to this swimming baths, outdoor swimming baths, to acclimatize to the cold water. If I'm going to get ready for a cold swimming, I'm going to have to acclimatize by doing that. I, and, and we think that when Jesus is getting ready for the cross, this moment, that he, how do you acclimatize for the cross? Does he start beating himself? He's going to ground. Does he start slapping? Have you seen the, the sportsmen, you know, before they go out, they start beating, you know, and there's all this bravado going on, and I'm ready for it. Come on, like that. I don't see Jesus doing that. I love this about Jesus. He doesn't do any of that. He's not preparing himself for the cross. He's preparing his team for the loss. He's preparing his team for the future. He's, he knows his purpose. His purpose is, this, some, this is going to happen. This cross, this, this act of love is going to happen. This moment of freedom is going to happen. And you know what? He's not just looking at the cross. He's looking into eternity. He just knows he has to go through the cross to get there. I love that vision. I love that focus of Jesus. So it's two things. One, it's ahead. And two, it's with the people right now in his world. Have you ever met people who are so focused they haven't got time for you? This is not the focus I'm talking about. Because let me tell you there, that is the focus of selfishness. That is the focus of self-enlightenment. That is focused with my purpose is more important than your purpose. Here's an incredible thing that we're going to discover over the next two months. You know, we're all gifted. I was thinking this through. It's a sidebar. We've got all different talents. But every one of our talents comes into their fruition when we serve others with them. If you're an artist, where would artists be without a gallery? Now, I know if you speak to artists, you say, I would still paint. There's something about the, 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 that when the, when it, when the work is displayed. Musicians, incredible musicians that we have. Where would the musicians be? There wouldn't be any if there wasn't a performance space. Why? It's not wrong, by the way. We've made performing wrong. Gee, we've got to get our heads. Do you know what you're doing? You're displaying the talent that God has placed within you. That is a totally different mindset, isn't it? When art, say, have a look. When a child runs home and then from this picture and say, Mommy, Daddy, would you look at that? They're displaying the creative image of God. There's something incredible about it. Every one of our gifts comes into its purpose when we share it with somebody else. If it's hospitality, isn't it? You don't cook a great meal and sit down and go, yum, yum. You want to share it. You don't cook cookies and just eat them all yourself, do you? You go running in, isn't it? Nathan, you know, gets a special needs school, and we're really kind of seeing some breakthroughs in talking to him and in conversation and encouraging his voice. You know, he comes home the other day, and we're like, me and Rachel said, like, Nathan, what do you want to do? And he's got limited vocabulary. And then he goes, cooking? And we just look at each other, because me and Rachel aren't really the best bakers in the whole world, isn't it? You know, so we're like, so we're caught in this, yes, let's do some cooking. 
I opened the cupboard. Fortunately, there was a packet of cookie mixture. It's <laughs> about the limit of our, our kind of baking skills. Uh, and there we go. You know, but you, you understand it's about sharing. Your gifts is all about sharing. You discover your purpose, by the way, when you take your and you serve others. That's how God has designed us to be. That's how Jesus is when he's walking through this cross, this focus. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 26. This is Paul writing. He says, I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. The context, by the way, is about Paul sharing the great news of Jesus. That's the context. But he still uses this illustration. He, he disciplines his body to share the gospel. Have you, have you seen that? He didn't say, I'm just going to discipline my spirit or my emotions. My, my body... I'm not going to shadow box. I'm going to be a heavy hitter. My life, I'm going to make it count. If I'm going to carry the great news of Jesus, because that is what I'm asking for. So ultimately, here's the answer, by the way. Our purpose is Jesus. To know God and to make him known. That is our purpose in Jesus. And that is Paul saying, that is my purpose. And I'm not a shadow boxer Christian. Sometimes I feel churches look like shadow boxing. On a Sunday, isn't it? We come in. We all look. <laughs> do, do, do. Anybody, let's uh, put the clip on, by the way. Anybody know this film? Giving you a bit of a cue. It's my generation, by the way, so. It's good. Rocky. We love that, isn't it? You know, you know that, there's the, that, that training point. You know when he's training. Actually, I think church is a training place for us to go out to be all that God has called us to be. I'm going to leave it playing in the background because I like it because your spirit's going, yes! I want to draw some fight out of your purpose. I want you to look and say, God, who have you called me to be, by the way? Because let me tell you, if you are sat here, if you are breathing right now, that purpose matters to you. My, my old boss, when I worked in the, in the laboratory, when I was a scientist, he was from the roughest states of London. He was a boxer. He was rough as rats. I wouldn't take him on. I mean, he was in his 60s, man alive. But in the way he talked to him, I knew this one thing about him. He had this mindset. He had this eye of the tiger, genuinely. And to meet a boxer, if you ever know any boxers, they have this whole thing where they're looking at their opponent going, you're going down before I'm going down. There's, there's something not quite right in, in their, their head. But you, you understand, he, he will never be beaten in his mind. But that's because he needs this mindset. He has this confidence to win. Right? Here's the truth as a follower of Jesus Christ. He is the winner. Is Jesus a loser? No. Are you a loser if you're a follower of Christ? No. Who was driving this week? We didn't, we, we didn't win a street, didn't we? We, we was like, looked at it and go, what a great street to live on. Imagine, you know, when telesales ring you up and you go, Where do you, where's your address? And you go, Winner Street. Because I'm a winner. Our purpose is found in our mindset because purpose instills confidence into us. Purpose, you know, as a boxer, it sharpens perception. They don't just walk into the ring. Have you seen a boxer's lifestyle? They get up at 6 a.m. in the morning and they're running and they're pounding the weights and the back. You know, they're doing something about their purpose, all right? Don't come to church and, and discover your purpose and do nothing about it. You know what? Because purpose doesn't just sharpen your focus. It instills hard work into you. Right? You get up in the morning. If you find this purpose, you will get up in the morning, right? Some of you go, oh, I'm not morning people, right? Purpose allows you to override the fact that you're not a morning person. 
Purpose in me, by the way, allows me to show patience when people say stupid things to me. As a pastor, I have a mantra called smile and wave. I mean, this happens in all walks of life. It's not just ministry, by the way, isn't it? You know, as someone comes up to you and go, can I just say, and you listen to them and you, and you think, no, you can't. But you did. But what we do? Oh, great. A purpose can do that. Because you realise burning people doesn't help you as a pastor. Nor does punching people. I'm not advocating violence during this preach. I understand what I'm doing. But there's something about sharpening of our mindset and our purpose because it produces in us. Purpose looks to support others. A boxer, by the way, is not a single man team. Have you seen the people in his corner? Have you seen people on the front row? They're all surrounding him. The boxer knows he is not fighting just for himself. He's fighting for his team because they put him there. They are the ones who tell him he's stupid if he's doing something stupid. They are the ones who slap him around the face. They are ones who say, keep going. You understand our purpose is found when we see the purposes in others. When we serve other people's purpose, we discover our purpose for God. There's something great about this journey of purpose because it's going to simplify us. People without purpose look at so many different things in their life. I call it squirreling. What's the film? Is it? It's not over the hedge, is it? It's uh, over the hedge. I call it squirrel. It's all squirrel and there's a distraction going on. You know what? If you're distracted, there's no purpose. Any sportsman, any athlete, any person who's focused on the job, you know, when you come in and you try and distract them, you go, just, just, just a minute, I'm focused. I think the church focused to live for Jesus, to communicate Jesus, to demonstrate Jesus, I think that's our purpose. I think sin, when sin comes knocking and going, ah, oh, you want to do this? You go, no, no, I haven't got time. I'm following Jesus. By the way, sin comes in when we're bored. One of the key things to sin, by the way, if you're bored and your purpose of sin is either there. When you're, when you're focused in God, you haven't got time to be caught up by that. Discovering your purpose increases our motivation. There's something about purpose when we know it. We're like, yes, we are on. And discovering our purpose ultimately prepares us for eternity. We're going to realize our purpose. We're going to spend eternity with our purpose. We're going to be with Jesus because that is our call, our destiny. There's an invitation at the end of this message where I want to present to you that opportunity to say, I want to find my purpose in knowing Jesus. In just two minutes, I'm going to lead you for a prayer. If that's you and you don't know Jesus and you want to discover the purpose of which I've talked about, there's something, what I've said, there's an energy in their life that sparks you and say, why don't you do something about it? Why don't you invite this God of purpose into you? I'm going to give you that opportunity, but I just want to land here on these two points. We have been told that our purpose is like finding a needle in a haystack. You know that phrase, you know that saying, you know we just can't do it, and it's a lie of the devil. Here's why a needle in the haystack is a liar there and is so dangerous, by the way, because if a horse trots up and eats the hay, it's going to be really damaging. The will and purpose of God is like a big barn door. I found that is so in line with my destiny, in my genes, in my character, in my personality, way before I ever knew it, I'm just discovering who I am in God and suddenly going, ah. Oh. I remember the moment I discovered I was good with people. You may have a different view, but <laughs> I love people. Not because of me, but God put it that in me. I love communicating. Where does that come from? God. 
I love creative ideas. I love strategy. I love thinking about concepts of how God would enter whatever the problem is, is that we're facing. I love that. Who put that there? God. It was there when I was a teenager. It was there when I was a child. It was not a moment when I just suddenly thought and came down to the front and prayed, God, put something in me. You know what? Actually, God says, Aaron, I put it in you the day. Before you were born, I put it in your destiny. All this is about is you realizing who you are in God. Greatness is already within you. Selfishness erodes greatness. Sin erodes greatness. It takes our destiny away. The barn door is right in front of us. It's time to sharpen our purpose. A dull axe takes longer to chop a tree down. Abraham Lincoln, I think he said, wasn't it? I've got six hours to chop a tree down. I'm going to spend the first four hours sharpening my axe. I think this series is about sharpening our axe, people. So I'm going to pray with you, everybody, first of all. So everybody close their eyes. And I just want you to join with me in a prayer. It's about you connecting with God. Just open your heart to God and just say this very simply to God, all of us. God, I want to sharpen my purpose over the next season. <laughs> I've been chopping at this for a long time with a dull axe. Right now, sharpen me with your spirit. Let be a revelation of my thinking. It comes into alignment with who you've designed me to be. Let it bring confidence. Let it bring motivation. Let it bring simplicity. Let it bring focus. Let it bring determination right now. That something would change in me that I would walk out of this with a focus. And just while we're all praying, if you do not know God and you want to discover God for the first time, I want you to say this prayer of you inviting God and, and you just whisper it into your soul and into your spirit. God will hear this because it's about you connecting with God and this prayer can be as simple as dear God I want to know your purpose in my life I don't want to waste the rest of my life on the wrong things today I want to take the first step in preparing for eternity by getting to know you Jesus Christ I don't understand it all but as much as I know how, I want to open my life to you. So today I ask you to come into my life and make yourself real to me. Use this series in my life to help me to know what you have made me for. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Just keep your eyes closed and your hands bowed. I'm just going to ask you to do this. You pray that prayer for the very first time. I congratulate you. You've just become part of the family of God. And the first thing that you ought to do is to share that decision with somebody else in the family. And if you feel comfortable doing that, I'll have you share it right now. Simply, while everybody else is just in a moment of prayer, just by putting your hand up and saying, Aaron, I said that prayer to come into the family of God. If you want to share that with me, 
I'm just, my eyes are open and I'm just looking. Just put your hand in the air. Say, I said that prayer. Anybody?